When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, the fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galina. And as usual, I'm joined by my buddy, Scott Chu. How's it going there, Scott? Not too bad. It's a three-day weekend, and I work for a bank, so I get plenty of those. But this one's always nice to start the summer. So uh, just just glad. It was a slow day, which is good when you got uh, three kids, t- uh, mm-hmm. three cats, a dog, and a guinea pig. <laughs> so slow days, hard to come by. You didn't mention a, a wife as well. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, You're yeah, right. I, I mean, that, that does add to the work. <laughs> we'll, we'll be real about that. <laughs> so I took a couple extra days off. Uh, so this was actually, I've been off since Thursday. Thursday was my birthday. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We're recording this, by the way, May 28th, uh, Sunday evening, uh, about 9 p.m. And uh, it's been a really good weekend. And uh, we, uh, I actually went to the Yankee game today. Scott, and it was the first time I was at Yankee Stadium since before the pandemic. <laughs> so, uh, perfect weather day to see a ball game, and uh, the Yanks ended up holding on uh, to win and beat the Padres ten to seven. Got to see a home run by Aaron Judge. Uh, here I am thinking that I'm going to see a pitcher's duel because we had Garrett Cole and you Darvish going at it, and then it ends up being a ten seven game. <laughs> yeah. Well, first, happy birthday. Oh, thank Joe. you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> but also, yeah, I mean, I, I you mentioned you were going to the game. I look at the score and I'm done. I was like, well, at least he got to see something, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, definitely some action in that one. Yeah. So we, we actually, you know, so, sometimes, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I, sometimes I'll, I'll leave a little early, you know, just to beat the traffic. But, you know, the, you know it ended up being that the uh, Padres started to make a little bit of a comeback, you know, and Clay Holmes wanted to give them the game back. He walked the first two batters in the ninth inning, but uh, thankfully they held on. So, like I said, perfect weather day, and it was just it just really felt good, Scott, just to be back in a baseball stadium. You know, I watch a lot of baseball on TV, uh, and, you know, just to be together in a setting with – Yankee fans. So it was just felt good to be together once again, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's how I feel at a lot of the, the fantasy things that we do. You know, we had tout wars, Mm -hmm. uh, that draft and all this. I mean, just, it's fun to be around, you know, we, we all like talking about baseball and I make this joke all the time that, you know, my, my wife doesn't want to hear me talk about baseball. My, Mm. my friend, most of my friends and family are tired of hearing me talk about baseball. So I got to find somebody to talk about baseball with, and that that's other baseball people. So it, it can be good to go. You go to the games to do it. You can go to a, a bar or you can go, I mean, anywhere where people are there loving baseball. And it's always, it's always special to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I tell you, time is flying by, Scott. We're just about a third into the 2023 baseball season. And in past episodes, we've spoken about portions of the season where, you know, you kind of sit, pause and and take an inventory of your team. And Memorial Day, by the way, 
uh, uh, want to uh, acknowledge uh, the uh, individuals who uh, have served our country in the military and, and uh, made the ultimate sacrifice. But also Memorial Day, like I said, the, the end of May, you know, the, like a third of the season is gone. So I think there's a good time to just like sit back and take a look at your roster and decide what's next. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is an interesting time of the year because now we're almost through two months. And, and you know, all through April, we're telling people, like, don't overreact. Two months in, I mean, still, you never want to overreact. But it's really interesting just now to think about all the players that have sort of come in and out of, are they going to be the guy this year? Right? I mean, Jack Sawinski. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, guys like Brett Rooker is fading. Right? He's mm-hmm. had a terrible month of May uh, for fantasy purposes. Uh, hitting, you know, going into today's game, hitting 204 on the month, only slugging uh, 333, striking out 34.3% of the time, right? I mean, these were guys that, you know, blew up in April already fading hard. So it's this time of year where we're starting to see a little bit more of that cream rising to the top, right? Mm -hmm. A little bit more of the guys that are good are going to be good. The guys that aren't, aren't, right? I mean, and, Mm -hmm. and they... I mean, some guys fade real hard and fast, right? Like we're already seeing uh, those that 35% strikeout rate catch up to guys like Christopher Morrell, right? But mm-hmm. this time of year, it's not about the Christopher Morrells. It's about, it's about the other players, the ones that either are still doing well and have now been doing well for two months or players who haven't been doing well and have now struggled for two consecutive months. So this is now that time to – this is where you can really start making – decisions and making calls about some of the players who up until now you had no choice, but to kind of just let it ride. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, of course, players that have a track record in the major leagues that have uh, been successful in the past. I mean, you're still going to be patient with them, but we spoke about a guy like a Michael Harris who had a really good rookie campaign and has been struggling uh, mightily so far this season, you know, he doesn't have the track record that a guy like a, a Mike Trout, if Mike Trout is going to go through a, a, a three-month slump, you're not going to drop him. Uh, he has a, a track record in the major leagues. Yeah, I mean, first of all, Mike Trout doesn't have 30-game stretches with a 48 WRC+. Plus. I mean, no, that's kind of the no, thing no. About, about Mike Trout. Right. Uh, you know, Michael, Michael Harris is a really interesting one because – Uh, On one hand, there is the talent like nobody like you can't watch what he did in 2022 and think it was all luck or think that it was something, you know, he's not that good. He is. He he's he has a lot of talent. This is a guy who can be a 25 home run, 25 stolen base type of player. He's just not that right now. The the thing about Michael Harris compared to a guy like Mike Trout is with Mike Trout, you know, it's coming back and it's coming back sooner rather than later with mm-hmm. Michael Harris. You don't know when that's happening, right? Sophomore slumps are a big deal. They happen all the time. Some players never really rebound from that first year where they really need to start making adjustments. When teams mm-hmm. have had a whole off season, figure out how to attack you, especially a guy who likes to be a little aggressive in Michael Harris. Now he's walking more this year, which is great, but it hasn't led to better results at the plate. So, you know, with Michael Harris, he, he's picking things up the last few days, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, which is fine. He, he hit home run over the weekend. That was not just his second of the year. Uh, is there a chance that he, I mean, he's got the talent where he could just blow up, 
mm-hmm. and absolutely carry your team. Remember, he got 19 home runs and 20 stolen bases last season in only 114 games, right? right? That's roughly about how many we have left, right? Like, it's not that different. Like, that is absolutely still potentially possible. But if you're in a 10-team, 12-team league shallow, like the three outfield, which is now the standard in mm-hmm. Yahoo and ESPN, um, he's a guy, there's not enough track record. Like, because while he was, while he was someone that we were interested in as a prospect, he was never this top overall prospect. He was, he was a guy who, um, you know, had some upside in their system. He was this guy you'd hear, like, you know, I hear Atlanta really likes this kid, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you'd hear. It wasn't a, this is a top 25. I mean, he got to the point like last season, his prospect rank went way, way up. But prior to that, he wasn't that type of player. Right. I mean, this is he was like a third round pick in the amateur draft. I mean, he's he's not he's not the Mike Trout of the like he's not that type of player. He's not that one where you can just hold and hold and hold forever. I, I think folks in those shallower leagues have I mean, a lot of them have cut Michael Harris a second. I think he absolutely has to be on your watch list. If you're in any kind of keeper or redraft, you're stuck with him. You, you can't cut him. Uh, I think that would be a huge mistake. But in those shallows redraft it's okay as long as there's something on your wire. Like, don't cut a guy like Michael Harris a second. I know he's had a rough season, but don't cut him if what you're trying to get is Owen Miller, right? Don't mm-hmm. cut him if that's the player you're going after because Owen Miller, I mean, he's hurt now. He he struggled with injury last year. We, we've talked about him before. Owen Miller will be good for a month, right? That's about what he'll give you because that's the type of player that Owen Miller is. You don't cut Michael Harris for that, right? But if maybe there's a guy like Michael Conforto, like you're a little short on power. Michael Harris mm-hmm. was never a huge power asset anyway. You're short on power. Michael uh, Michael Conforto now looking like he's really picking it back up for the Giants. He was out of baseball for quite a while. Used to be a 30 home run type of bat. This month, he's got a, you know, a two to one strikeout to walk ratio, which is great for him. That's what you want. About 20% strikeouts, 10% walk this month, uh, hitting tons. Oh, he's got seven home runs, uh, since May 12th. I believe he's, he's really hitting the ball. Well, now that maybe is a guy who you can mm-hmm. cut a Michael Harris for is would I, you know, in the draft, would you ever have done this? Absolutely not. Right. But the draft doesn't matter anymore because it's May 28th, May 29th. When you're listening to this, don't worry about the draft. What you're worrying about is what am I cutting him for? Is the player I'm picking, if I'm cutting Michael Harris, is the player I'm picking up someone who I actually care about? Right? Is it someone, or, you know, because if I'm just getting some run of the mill free agent, I'd rather see if Michael Harris can turn it back around. Right. Mm-hmm. But if I, if I can get a guy like a Michael Conforto who really could be a good power bat for the rest of the season, then it's a different conversation. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, and Conforto, uh, you know, he's basically in this episode, we're going to talk about, like I mentioned, you know, some guys that are really moving up and also moving down of your hitter list. And, and Michael Conforto, you know, he went up like 14 spots. He's a uh, number 116 in, in your latest uh, hitter list. And and like you said, man, he's really coming on five home runs, 13 RBI in his uh, last two weeks to go along with a 383 batting average. And, you know, you, you mentioned uh, when you were talking about Harris, there are certain guys that never get over that sophomore slump. Uh, a guy that, that comes to mind is, is a Will Myers, who a few years back was rookie of the year. And since then he's been, you know, he's had 
decent years and he's had some years where he slumped badly but never played as well as he did in that rookie season and you mentioned you know Harris doesn't really have that track record in the major leagues uh, was very successful in the minor leagues and look the Braves have never been a, a franchise that's been shy to send down uh, a slumping uh, prospect or someone that they think needs more seasoning. We'll take a look with uh, Vaughn Grissom. Everyone thought that he was going to be their starting second baseman for the full season. And, you know, he spent most of this year in the minor league. So, uh, you know, the good points on your part. Yeah. And, you know, we see other players like really, really have a rough time with the sort of sophomore slump uh, that, you know, as you'd call it, the the biggest one to me that comes to mind and someone who I don't think Michael Harris has quite the same problem of, and that's Kyle Lewis, right? Kyle Lewis, uh, mm-hmm. 2020 rookie mm-hmm. of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a shortened season, but he was real hot comes back. I mean, he just had big contact issues. That's the one thing with Michael Harris. I think that we can say is, is still going. Okay. The plate discipline is still good, right? It's just quality of contact. I'm not saying that's an easy fix, right? Hitting the ball better is difficult, right? But it's not as though, He's not hitting the ball at all. He's just mm-hmm. not hitting it very well, right? And, and that adjustment is a lot easier than a guy who just can't hit the ball, right? Who just swings and misses or chases or things like that. I mean, we've talked, I've talked a lot these last week or two about zone contact rates, players who don't hit balls in the zone very well, right? Players like that are, are Christopher Morrell, Brent Rooker, Jack Sawinski, uh, these types of players, they don't hit the ball well in the zone. That's a hard thing to fix because he already knows he knows the pitch is in the zone. He knows that it's something he should swing at and he just can't hit it. Right. That's problematic. And, uh, you know, zone contact for Michael Harris this season down quite a bit. Last season, 86.1. This season, 78.5. Not great. You want to be better than 80 percent on zone contact rate, unless you're a very special case like Aaron Judge can get away with missing stuff in the zone because he's trying to hit it. 800 feet uh and he does that a lot so hit one today yeah yeah (laughs) so he he hits the ball hard enough and well enough that he can get away with it most players cannot so the plate discipline is still okay for michael harris he's hitting weight like he's he's got this 65.9 percent outside contact rate that means he's making tons of contact with really bad pitches it means his decision making is not great right for a guy who swings a lot Right. You don't want to be chasing 40 percent of the time. Now, again, he has a very good hand, you know, hand eye coordination, but hitting stuff outside of the zone is not a good way to get on base. It's certainly not a good way to hit for any power. It's Mm -hmm. really difficult to do. You've got to be a truly elite power hitter to do damage to those pitches that are below the zone or too far inside, too far outside. You just can't do it, right? You're mostly slapping those for singles, right? The, the Luis Arias, Jeff McNeil sorts of players who don't really care if it's in the zone as much because all they need to do is flip it over the second baseman and the shortstop and they're fine. So Michael Harris, but he's not striking out it, to get all the way back to it. He's not striking out. Yeah, sure. He's been way too aggressive early in the count. He's, He's getting strike one on the first pitch about 70% of the time, which isn't good, Uh, but he's not striking out. So if you're looking for something to hang your head on and say, this could get better, he's not selling out. He's not striking out Michael Harris. Uh, He just needs to hit the ball a little better. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so like it's that easy, right? Just, right, just hit right, it better. Yeah. yeah, just hit it better, babe. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> what are you doing? So, uh, just as we wrap up the, this part of, uh, the podcast where we're talking about, you know, the, uh, 
you know, Memorial Day weekend being kind of like a, a time when you take a look at your roster, should fantasy baseball managers, you know, be making what kind of changes should they be making and not be making um, at this time? Yeah. So, I mean, the, this is a really good time to start looking at your standings, right? You can ignore them a little bit throughout April unless like something's really off, but by now you should have a pretty good idea of what your strengths and weaknesses are because, you know, early in the season, a guy who got you three saves in a week would jump you from like middle to first in saves. Right. And you could, you'd see these, like usually when you're in like a roto league, you'll see someone for the first month, even a guy can be, you know, 15, 20 points ahead of everybody else. But he's not actually, you know, th- that manager isn't actually being that much better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. It's just that things are still so tight. It's only been a little bit of the season. So if they've had the best team, they, they can pile up in a hurry. A lot of that stuff is balancing out now. So if you are outside of, you know, if there's a, if you're in a categories league, if there's categories you're not doing well in, that should be, be that should be becoming apparent now, especially when you start taking into account guys on your roster who might be injured. Mm. things like that. You know, you're, when you drafted your team, you had one idea of what it's going to be. N- very few folks are running out the same team. They ran out on opening day, right? I mean, most pro teams are not, and most fantasy managers are not. Mm-hmm. So now look at your current team. Look at where you are in the standings. See where are the opportunities to start building? Cause you don't want to wait till August to figure out how you're going to get better in, let's say stolen bases. Stolen bases is a great category to think about because the stolen base landscape has changed so much. Not only are that like individual steals aren't worth what they used to be worth. One of the big things about stolen bases was the scarcity. They ain't that scarce anymore. Lots of players are stealing more bases, right? You can apps, especially against particular teams. There's about five or 10 teams that really get the worst of it. Like, uh, yeah, I know that the Mariners and the White Sox, those are two teams that are very, uh, the teams are aggressive against the Dodgers team uh, are a team that, teams are very aggressive against. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you look at it, you say, okay, I'm behind in steals. What does like one, do I need to stream steals, right? Do I look for lead off guys or speed guys against those certain teams and use one of my roster spots to do that? Like, do I have this, you know, was I rostering, you know, let's, you know, Brent Rooker, for example, I'm in a 12 team, three outfield league. Brent Rooker was my third outfield you know, there's good speed guys on the wire. Maybe I start thinking about that. I'm not necessarily saying you have to cut Brent Rooker now. Uh, mm-hmm. He's he's getting close to that point. But there there are speed guys to go grab, right? Or maybe you thought speed was your weakness coming in, you know, to the season. But then you you know you swooped in and you grabbed Asturi Ruiz, right? Speed the the speed problem you had in the draft is long gone if you've picked up Asturi Ruiz, right? Mm. But you got to figure out, okay, so what else might be broken? Maybe it's nothing, and that's great but probably something, right? Something is not what you hoped it would be. And this is the time to really start attacking that beat. You know, you can still be aggressive on the wire because you know, the early, the heavy, heavy bids of April are over. You can a lot of times now get players on a little better of a deal. So, you know, keep, keep the eye out. And also you're going to have managers who are are getting frustrated and they'll cut guys that they shouldn't cut. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Josh Young, uh, of the Rangers, who is a great power hitter, he slumped for a little bit this month, and he went down to forty five percent rostered in ESPN leagues. I would be checking every every ten or twelve team league. I'm checking to see if Josh Young is out there because he's a heck of a power hitter, and there's no reason he should have been cut. But people did it, 
people did it because it looked bad for a week. And then of course he turns around, he hits three home runs over this last week. <laughs> like that's what he's able to do. So, uh, there's folks making some rash decisions on guys. There are folks who are not paying as much attention. The bids are down. You don't have to make the same heavy bids you did before. This is the time to really start looking where are you weak? And there are players out there to, to go get, I mean, Josh Young might not be available in your league, but there are others. And we'll talk about, you know, more of them as we go. But I mean, if you're, if you're in a need for power and speed, right. Jose Siri right now, right. He's a guy who's constantly being hurt. Uh, he, but he's one of the few rays that plays every day because when he's healthy, he's their starting center fielder and there's a place to get power and speed, right? I mean, there, these guys are out there. Uh, and now is the time when you can really, now you don't just need to say who's hitting the best. Like you can actually limit your search to this is the stat I need. Who can give me that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very good point. Yes. So, uh, like I said, we're going to be talking about uh, actually some of the players that you just mentioned uh, that have been making some moves on your hitter list. And uh, we'll start with uh, the players that have really been making a move upwards and uh, have made their debut to your hitter list. And we'll talk about them right after this. Fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. Joe Galena and Scott Chu. Uh, you can follow Scott at If the Chew Fits. You could follow me at Joe Galena. And uh, Scott, you mentioned Esteuri Ruiz, uh, outfielder for the Oakland A's. He uh, climbed 19 spots on your hitter list, uh, now at number 93. Uh, doesn't walk a lot, but has a lot of speed makes good contact with the ball and with his speed can get lots of infield hits, uh, 27 steals caught just three times and has a pretty decent batting average, uh, in his first 53 games, uh, batting 274. So I think that the batting average is a little bit surprising because a lot of people, uh, to start the season knew that he was a speedster, knew that he had the potential to, you know, steal, uh, 40, 50 bases, especially in this new environment that we're dealing with. But uh, the batting average is a plus. Yeah, he really, Asturi Ruiz really exploded on the scene in 2022 
but not because we are we always knew he had the speed. Well, the reason he exploded is because he all of a sudden started taking tons of walks, right? And, and as a speed guy, taking a bunch of walks is a big deal because every time you get on base, this guy is a threat to steal. That even in the old rules, right? Mm-hmm. Every time this guy got on base, he was a threat to steal. <clears throat> and he, you know, so people really start paying attention in 2022. He gets called up and is terrible, right? I mean, he it's only 36 plate appearances, but he hits 171 in those plate appearances. He just can't get anything going. And Esther Ruiz, you know, this season gets an opportunity with Oakland. He's their leadoff guy. Oakland is a team who, I mean, just famously will let guys run. If you remember when Starling Marte was an a for a yep. short time, he, he ran, it seemed like twice a day. Right. So <clears throat> Esther Ruiz, again, he, he is probably a player who, even net, like you can almost lock in 50 steals. I don't know the last, like the last time we had a player that was truly like that might've been Billy Hamilton. And I've compared Ruiz to Hamilton sort of in, in like uh open dialogue, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think Ruiz is better than Hamilton. I think his hit tool is better than Hamilton, uh, but Ruiz doesn't walk. And, you know, I do worry that maybe there's some adjustment period coming where teams just, uh, attack you know attack him in some different ways force you know because they know Ruiz is not going to hit for power here's the thing Ruiz has one home run on the season and that is not a fluke right this is a this is a five his best season in the big leagues will likely be 10 home runs tops right he just does not have power especially not in a place like Oakland the batting average has been better than I expected. Uh, I thought, you know, because he doesn't make hard contact, it's hard for a player like that sometimes to really pile up the the batting average. But, you know, it, it's not luck, right? He He's hitting the ball well enough to drive a, a batting average like this. So with, with him, the one thing about, I've been so slow to move him up the hitter list because he is sort of a one-trick pony. That's the one thing that you can sort of knock against him. The runs and RBI are inconsistent at best. Uh, it'll be a stretch for him to get to 70 in either category. Uh, even as a leadoff man, it will be difficult for him to get to 70 runs scored. It's going to be difficult for him to get to 70 RBI. So he's really, you need the ratios then because then he's only providing steals in a steals environment where steals are more available. 50 stolen bases by one player this year is not as valuable as it was last year because you can get stolen bases on the wire and every player on your roster is stealing more bases. That Mm -hmm. 50 is no longer quite as important because you were able to get it all up and down your roster because everybody runs. So Ruiz, he is moving up. He's probably going to keep moving up. I'm probably still too low on him. But, you know, the the problem is that the floor with a speed guy like this is just so, so low. It's made me pretty hesitant. Hmm. 98th percentile uh, in speed, according to uh, StatCast. And, and uh, you know, just uh, we were talking before uh, that a third of the season has gone by. And just an aside, the, the A's are 10 and 45, Scott, to start the season uh they're on a pace to have the worst season one loss percentage in the history of baseball which is so sad for Oakland A's fans it's not easy for a leadoff guy who's hitting 268 uh playing every single day with his kind of speed to score less than 70 runs and i think it's a real possibility mm-hmm. yeah yeah all right, let's uh, take a look at uh, Jorge Soler, outfielder for the Marlins. Um, 
and he uh, jumped up 15 spots on the hitter list. He's hitter number 127. By the way, I'm just we're, we're talking about the hitter list like uh, you know everyone knows exactly what it is, and, and I'm sure most of our listeners do. But uh, you want to just before we talk about Solaire, just talk a little bit about you know the hitter list, what it is, and 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 what what goes into preparing it. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I've taken, I took over the, the hitter list from, uh, my, my good friend, my dear colleague, John Metzelar. Uh, it, you know, he has, he has real life stuff to do and and I don't, I'm not very cool. He is, but I'm not. So uh, (laughs) I write it. It is, it is the, uh, it is the hitter version sort of, of Nick's pitcher list, right? We are pitcher list, but we have a hitter list. Uh, it is a ranking of the top 150 hitters for fantasy. I, I try to gear it towards, uh, head-to-head categories and 12-team leagues with standard rosters, which are now, you know, the three outfield. And uh, I've also got a taxi squad on there, which just has a collection of players who I think you should probably be thinking about. It's not necessarily the next best players. Like, I don't have a ton of minor league guys on there because in most standard redraft leagues, you can't stash, right? Like, you could, but your benches are so tight that there's just not room to stash a guy like a, like a Ronnie Mauricio, right? Mm-hmm. It's... Maybe now if his call-up's getting a little closer, I'm not quite so sure yet, uh, but it's it's a difficult, you know, it it's difficult to roster them. But uh, yeah, so it's a top 150 hitters every week. Um, there's, you know, it shows you the movement up and down. I, I leave notes. I don't, I don't make notes on every single hitter because that's just too many, but I yeah. do make selections out of each tier. Try to talk about, and sometimes I'm just talking about like why, you know, sometimes you'll see a guy goes down six, but he had a good week and it'll, you know, I'll have to explain to people that he's down six because there's six guys who had even better weeks, right? Mm-hmm. That I wanted to put ahead of him, right? He didn't do any worse, but that's the nature of sort of going up and down these lists. Sometimes you'll see uh, a player who didn't have a good week go up four spots. I'm like, yeah, four guys ahead of him in the you know two tiers above him all got hurt, so mm-hmm. he moves up by default, right? So that's the nature of the list. For example, uh, Jorge Soler, I had been interested. I rank him at, you know, in the 120s. And then, of course, that list came out on the, the, the morning of the 24th. Starting that day, he went and hit four. You know, he has four consecutive games with a home run uh, right after that. Right. Yeah, so yeah. Makes you look had, like a genius, man. Genius. Oh, well, yeah, if I was if I was a genius, I would have put him higher. Right. Like the guy hit uh, home runs in. I think yeah, six or seven him 15 games. spots prior to that. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, it what I mean, part of that is he had some of it's a little misleading because he went on a four game road trip at the time to Colorado. Right. Mm-hmm. So he gets in that series, he goes hitless the first one. And then in the next three games has seven hits, three home, three of them mm-hmm. are home runs. One's a double. So uh, he, he jumps up and, and really that whole range uh, when you're talking about ranking hitters, even, you know, even starting really at like 110 or 120, the difference between the 120th best hitter and the 150th best, 150th best hitter is not much, right? Those guys move up and down all the time. You'll see the same thing in, in really any ranking. The more down, like the further down you get, just the the more minute the difference becomes between one tier to the next. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those, those bottom tiers can all be really big. It's a lot harder to move up and down when you're in the first four or five tiers than it is, of course, to be in tier 10 or 11 or 12. Those guys move around all the time. Jorge Soler is one because we know he's got power. I, I This Marlins offense is not good, right? And, and that might waste his power a little bit. Also, really tough to hit home runs. Uh, 
as you know, when you're, when you're a Marlin, cause it's a really, really big park. We've seen Jorge Soler really struggle with batting average, uh, as, as a right-handed hitter. So it's not as though the shift could help like the shift rules can't help him that much, uh, especially because he's, you know, he's trying to hit the, he's trying to hit home runs anyway, a big change for him this season. He's getting a lot of balls up in the air, uh, which, which is good for him. He's got a lot of power. He pulls the ball a ton. So pulling fly balls, that'll help you get home runs just about anywhere. Uh, and you know, the barrel rates have always been good, but you know, strikeouts have been a problem in years past. I mean, last season, 29.4, uh, 2020, it was over 30%, but right now 25%, that's not bad. I don't know how good Jorge Soler will be for the rest of the season. I think he should be rostered in most leagues. If you have an opening in your outfield and you've got any need for power, Jorge Soler can do that. Uh, but, at the same time, again, we also know the floor is very, very low. Last season, he played 72 games, 13 home runs, 207 batting average. Not very good. So uh, he had that he's issue not... with his eyes last last season, didn't he? Yeah, though? yeah, he did. So, so, yeah. so you wonder if this, you know, if this is fixing those eyes. But also, this is better than he's ever been, really, yeah. besides 2019, which because that was 2019. If you mm-hmm. take out 2019, his best season is 2021. He has 27 home runs in 149 games, but he only bats 223, mm-hmm. right? So it's not as though he had good batting average and then his eyes went bad, right? He struck out a bit more, but he struck out a lot in years past as well. So I'm not sure how much the eye thing changes, how I view him overall. I know that he is a player who, in a full season, is probably at least a 30 home run hitter. He's a type of player that could threaten 40. I don't think 48 is in the cards because that was 2019 rabbit ball. He's not really shown that kind of power <laughs> since then. And hitting that many home runs as a Marlin is really, really difficult. You've basically got to be Giancarlo Stanton and healthy. Uh, mm. And Jorge Soler is not quite to that level yet. But uh, I, I do think there's power there. The counting stats will disappoint you because the Marlins are no good. But he's someone you should be adding pretty much, you know, everywhere. If you've got an opening in your outfield, he, he can at least hit for power. And he's not the type of player that you're going to need to hold on through. You know, if he if he has a prolonged slump, if he has real bad June, you're going to be cutting him during that time. So it's not as though you're going to have to do a ton of thinking. Hmm. So uh, I agree with you, you know, him uh, replicating that 48 home run season. Uh, probably unlikely, but you know what? In his first 50 games, 16 home runs. <laughs> that's that's basically uh, a 48 home run season pace. But but I agree with you. It would be tough to replicate. Um, but uh, you know, want to just point out one of the things you mentioned, which is so important that you know he had a, a big week, had uh, five home runs last week, batted 406, and uh, you said that. You know, he played, uh, what was it, three or four games in Colorado. And it's so important to take note of that, you know, the situational aspects of uh, what affects the production of a player. And and this guy crushes left-handed uh, pitchers this season, 395 batting average and a uh, over 1,000 slugging percentage against southpaws. And... Early this week, he faces two Padres left-handers to start the week. So if you make uh, put together any uh, DFS lineups early this week, you might consider putting Solaire in there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the other thing to to point out, and that I run into, you know, on Fridays, I do an AMA on Reddit. It starts at about mm-hmm. noon whenever I can get around to it. 
And, and I do get a lot of questions about guys like Solaire, guys like uh, Christopher Morrell. And a lot of times I feel like a real negative Nancy because I'm kind of like, uh, here's the thing. The other thing you have to remember with Jorge Solaire, you pick him up today, you don't get those six home runs he's hit since last Sunday. Uh, th- those those don't show up on the ledger for you. Those are gone. Those are spent, right? Uh, that That juice can't go back in the orange. Right. Like it's gone. So uh, don't you don't want to overpay because at that point you need him to do it again. Right. And how many times, honestly, how many times over the course of seven games do you really think the Marlins are even going to score the 11 runs that Jorge Soler himself drove in? Hmm. Right. Uh, or, you know, he, he was involved with 19 runs over seven games. <laughs> which isn't that many in the grand scheme of things for like a whole team, but like it's a lot for the Marlins, right? 19 runs over seven games for the Marlins is a lot. They just don't mm. score that many runs. How often is he going to be able to get multiple RBI games because that many people are on base, right? right Especially with right. how often this team is injured. Uh, mm-hmm. Jazz is home, not in the lineup. Like how, don't, don't over like the, the hardest thing to do sometimes is you look at these, you're like, Oh man, look what he's on pace for. I'm like, yeah, but don't forget you. Yeah. That stuff doesn't go back in. Right. right. The spilt mm-hmm. milk doesn't go back in the glass. Like it's mm-hmm. already gone. So like you, you're always trying to think of um, what's, you know, what's coming next. And that's why I like what you just talked about, which is looking at the upcoming schedule. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if, if he was going to be going to, you know, if he was going to have to then go play like the Astros or uh, you know, pick a pitching staff that can just be really tough top to bottom. If they're, if he's then going there, it's like, Oh, yikes. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, He's, he's going to be going back home this next week because he's been on a long road trip uh, out on the West Coast. He's going to be coming back home. That's a little tough to, to go through those time zone changes. But, you know, he's he played in the AL Central. He used to have to do time zone changes all the time. Uh, back when he was in Kansas City, uh, the rest of his division, you know, well, half his division is uh, in Eastern time and he was in Central. But uh, so he... Again, he's the type of player who absolutely can go on these hot streaks. He's going to have a cold streak. You want to try to time it up so you don't roster him through that part, right? Because mm-hmm. he's not he's not so good that you should just roster him all season long. The value in Jorge Soler is grabbing him when he's hot because he hits his home runs in bunches and then letting him go for that the inevitable four-week period where he has one home run and bats 150. Right, right. Yeah, You, you mentioned, uh, you know, um, like if he if he went to Houston or whatnot or played against Houston that you know it might not be such a good matchup. Any other team off the top of your head that where you'd take a pause and say, oh, "Man, I I really don't like him uh, in that matchup in that away ballpark against those pitchers." Right off the top of my head, and see if you agree. I didn't even look up their stats, but uh, you know if I have like a mediocre power hitter that I, I play depending on their matchups. I don't want them playing in Seattle <laughs> against, you know, that pitching staff and in that ballpark, you know, uh, you got, you know, Bryce Miller, Castillo, right. Uh, Logan Gilbert. I mean, that's, that's gotta be some unfriendly hitting <laughs> situations that's, there, right? <laughs> that's the one that comes to mind first, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if his road trip, if he hadn't gone to Colorado and gone to Seattle instead, I'm thinking maybe he doesn't hit three, you know, three consecutive games with a home run uh, right. during that during that four game series, right? He just yeah, yeah. probably not. On the other hand, he got to go against Colorado, who has one of the worst pitching staffs, you know, in baseball and plays in one of the most hitter friendly parks out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, going against Oakland can always be a good time. They got a big stadium, but they got real bad pitching. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are teams to target on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, Tampa Bay can be a tough team. Tropicana is a weird, ugly place to play. Uh, yeah. and they, they do a good job, man. Like they've got a real good, uh, relief. You know, usually they have a really good relief core. They haven't been so good. This actually, they've been a terrible relief core this season. Uh, used to be much better, but you know, Seattle, a team without Andres Munoz, they still have the second best bullpen in baseball. So just sort yeah. of reinforce the fact, uh, if he's about to go play four games against Seattle, you know, maybe, maybe wait a little. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you can. Yeah. I just checked. They have, a three, that move. they have a three, two, eight ERA at home. Uh, their pitching staff, 3.83 on the road. So yeah, it's a pretty unfriendly environment to be in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they've, <laughs> they've been excellent. Uh, you know, Houston has been good. Uh, Atlanta can be a really tough team to go sure. and, and hit against. Uh, it's not, you know, it used to be like the Dodgers were a big one, but not so much this season because they've had to run so many rookies. But yeah. Uh, yeah, Seattle's a tough one with combination of ballpark and pitching Houston, a combination of ballpark and pitching uh, Atlanta. That's really more just like just the talent of the staff and their, their bullpen has been pretty good. Uh, but you know, it's, it's just the way, you know, you think about that just a, at least a little bit before, mm-hmm. you know, just totally going in and saying, okay, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I I don't care. He's been so good. He's going to keep going. There is, I don't want to say hot doesn't exist. There are folks out there that, you know, that will argue that there's no such thing as a hot hitter. Uh, I would argue that that's not been my experience watching baseball. Uh, There are guys like Zach McKinstry right now. Can't get out. If you try, he's got like a 500 on base percentage over the last couple of weeks. Uh, He's hot right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and that happens and that can transcend matchups, right? Sometimes a guy's just hot and you're like, well, He's gonna. It doesn't matter who pitches to him because right now the the ball looks like a beach ball when he's in the box, yep, and he yep. he hits it exactly where he wants to. But otherwise, yeah, you, you do want to look at their upcoming matchups because no, if they've been good because they were in Colorado and now they're not. Right, this happens a lot with Rockies hitters when they're at the top of your player pool. Keep in mind, are they about to go on a road trip? Because they might be at the top of your waiver wire best over last fourteen days because they just had a home stand. Right. But if they just had a homestand for six games, that means they're probably leaving and you're not about, you're not about to get some good sat lines out of them. So keep an eye on that schedule. It's never too early to yeah. just watch how that's going. Agreed. Agreed. So let's try to get through a couple more of these uh, uh, hitters that are moving up your list. Uh, how about uh, Lane Thomas nationals outfielder went up 10 spots. He's at uh number 115 on your list quietly looking like a, a 20 homer 10 stolen base kind of hitter uh pulling the ball a bit more this season good numbers over the past month as a matter of fact all eight of his home runs were hit over the past month uh averages uh just above 300 during that time span and lane thomas's expected slug woba and batting average all lower than actual stats so i'm wondering uh is this kind of like a situation where you know kind of you could stream him while he's hot and then uh you know cut ties with him when he's not yeah so if you had told you know coming into the season 
we did, you know, it was it wasn't that weird to project Lane Thomas for 20 home runs, 10 stolen bases, probably towards the top end of what you'd project him for. I think most were probably thinking like 17 and nine, something like that. Not super exciting. What's what's the I mean, the big surprise is the batting average, right? The guy's hitting 289. A lot of that coming from this hot month. Uh, he's a career 247 hitter, even including these 51 games where he's hitting 289. Uh, he had. I mean, he just keeps getting hits. He has another, you know, he, it was only one of them, but he had another hit today, Sunday. Uh, it was a double. So he's hot. I think his, the, just to remember about him is that the upside is limited. Uh, I just, I think his best season, if it's this season, looks like 25 home runs, 10 to 12 stolen bases, and like a 260, 270 average, right? Mm-hmm. So is that a good player? Sure. Is that like a break the bank player? No especially in shallower leagues, right? right? Uh, it, it's the type of player that you could, it probably is available off the wire in at times, right? Uh, I mean, it's very, it's not that different from the expectations I had for Andrew McCutcheon, except Lane Thomas has a better batting average than I thought he would have right now, driven a bit, as you mentioned, by luck, right? It, not just because the BABIP's high, but because all of the stats sort of suggest that things are a little off. The 252 expected batting average from StatCast, that's not bad. And that's actually close to what I think he can be. Uh, 289, though, not so much. So it's not that you can't add him. Uh, in fact, you maybe you should. If you have an opening in your outfield and you need a little blend of power and speed and a guy who's seeing the ball well, uh, just you know, don't expect him to all of a sudden, you know, he's not going to be a 30 home run hitter. He's not going to be a 20 stolen base guy. He's not going to be a 289 hitter for the rest of the season. What you're, you know, what you want to do is think about what am I getting in store for? Uh, really, if I pick him up now, what, what can I still get from him? Right. And, and you can, you can get some good stuff out of him. And once it starts turning down, you know, if he has a couple of weeks where he's only hitting 220, which is very reasonable for a guy like him, not showing the power and speed, you're moving on to the next guy, uh, especially in the outfield, who's, who's a little bit hot because you can, you can stream 25 home run, 10 stolen base kind of players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lane Thomas uh, rostered in 60% of Yahoo leagues and 61% of CBS Sports leagues, which is interesting because Yahoo leagues are generally three outfielder leagues and CBS Sports tend to be five outfielder leagues, right? But uh, so, uh, you know, rostered in a decent amount of, uh, of, of leagues, but still fairly widely available. So uh, you could check... Uh, See if he's available in your league. If you're looking for help, outfield help. Um, let's talk about a an old friend of ours, Whit Merrifield, second base outfield eligible for the Blue Jays. You, uh, you knocked him up 14 spots on your hitter list to 117. Um, you know, showed some uh, moderate power early in his career, but. Uh, the hard hit rate continues to fall, has fallen past a uh, few seasons. Power is gone, but batting average is back to where we had been used to seeing it, Scott. Uh, 31% line drive rate fueling that batting average. Uh, StatCast isn't buying it uh, based on their expected stats. And, and I, th- I think, you know, you're pretty uh, have said in the past, you know, line drive rates are tough to, you know, to, to it's tough to continue to hitting uh, line drives. It's, it's tough to hit a line drive, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, you have some players that, uh, you know, tend to have that launch angle, hit a lot of fly balls, but line drives a little less predictable, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, but I guess if you look at his 
uh, career, did have a couple of seasons early on with season-long line drive rates approaching 30. Um, has 14 stolen bases. You said, uh, I know you said stolen bases are widely available, but uh, here's a guy that uh, not only has the 14 stolen bases this season, but led uh, the league in stolen bases in 2021 with 40. Yeah, and part of the reason I say that stolen bases are widely available are because of guys like Whit Merrifield. So, uh, you know, I'll talk quickly about the line drive rate. The players that can sustain 25% line drive rates are the actually the players like Whit Merrifield who slap the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. They're line drives, but they're not high hard line drives. They're those line drives that kind you know tuck in behind the infielders in front of the outfielders that is something that Whit Merrifield can sort of sustain uh, it helps drive his batting average now so if you look at statcast they will give you some expected stats if you go to our pitcher list pages we give you some expected stats but they are actually weighted a little differently because our stats will look at things like ball directionality uh, just to tie that in for example a fly ball is generally an out a pulled fly ball way more likely to be a home run so we factor that into uh, expected batting average expected slugging so the the big difference is that our expected batting average thinks the batting average is a little bit more legit right we have them up at 278 for expected batting average uh instead of the uh 250 something that Statcast is using that doesn't use ball directionality so i think whitmerfield he can be a batting average and stolen base guy i just i just don't think there's anything else there that Mm. is useful but it's useful situationally Right. Mm-hmm. Cause he also does, I mean, he doesn't walk that much. Uh, so it's not as though his OBP is really going to be a huge help to you either. It's going to be kind of average. So, you know, right now it's 342, and, and that would be better than it's been since 2019. Right. Uh, so I, I don't know. He, he won't help you as much in those leagues, but in, in points formats where all that contact can give you some extra points, that's a big deal. Uh, in league, you know, anytime you're in need of stolen bases, you're in need of ratios, you're in need of a middle infield outfield kind of guy. Sure. Right. Whit, Whit Merrifield is there, mm-hmm. right? He's, he, he can do something for you. He's like Jeff McNeil, but can run. Right. right? Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's, yep. yeah. that's basically that's what you're com- kind of getting comp. here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. a worse, OB, you know, you trade some stolen bases for OBP, but that's, that's what you're getting with Whit Merrifield. Not bad. It's the mm-hmm. reason I say steals are available. Uh, and, it also comes with some batting average, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we take our, our second break, I just want to talk about two players real quick. You can just you know a sentence or two or however much you want to talk about them. But uh, I like looking at these guys that uh, just made it uh, onto your list um, and hadn't been on there uh, a prior week. So Jose Siri, uh, outfielder for the Rays. Um, he's got nine home runs, 20 RBI on the season, um, over the past couple of weeks, five home runs with a 314 batting average. So he's really coming on, um, and Elias Diaz, a catcher for the Rockies, uh, got some, what you would expect, some pretty big home away splits, batting 372 at home, 277 on the road, but, Still not a bad road average. Um, uh, what do you say about uh, Siri and Diaz, and uh, what made you throw them on the list? 
Yeah, so Siri is hot right now. Uh, Siri is a guy who runs really hot and cold because he has contact issues. Striking out 30% of the time is about par for the course for Siri. But he's also one of the most athletic players in the league. Uh, It gets him hurt quite a bit. Uh, He loses playing time to injury, not from Ray's management. Ray's want him in center field because he's a heck of a center fielder. Uh, They really like his defense there. He's got a bunch of power and speed. He's a former Houston Astro. We actually talked about him on the show a little bit when he was a Houston Astro. Uh, Yeah, yeah, we did. uh, Yeah, last season, He's been around because he's got power and speed. Uh, And again, he runs hot and cold. Eventually, he'll either get hurt or cold, and then he might be a player you think about dropping. So that's where you're at with Jose Siri. Uh, But you know, Diaz is the one who's interesting, not necessarily because of he himself. He's having a good season. He's the every you know if you've been streaming catcher for the last four years, you know about him because he's the Rockies catcher. Right, which means he has home stands. You stream him. But what's interesting about him is, again, not so much anything about like what he's changed as a player. He's hitting pretty well. Uh, it's who I put him above, and that's Alejandro Kirk. So uh, the, oh, the yeah, real news, and I'm, him. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about him later. But yeah. but that's that's the real news there. It's I was trying to tell people if he's on your wire, go ahead and get him uh, for for Kirk. Mm. Okay, all right. So uh, with that, uh, I was also happy to see. And I was a year too early on him. Uh, Bryson Stott, make your uh, your list. This yeah, uh, he's yeah. going to bounce on and off this list. Bryson Stott yeah. is this. It's weird because he's a high contact player. Like he doesn't strike mm-hmm. out a ton. But God, this guy runs hot and cold. Mm-hmm. He, he the number of times that he'll be like the best hitter for two weeks and then the worst hitter for three weeks will just <laughs> boggle your mind. But right now he's on the hot side of it. So. You know, have at it. Just be ready to cut him because his cold spells are horrible. Mm, yeah. So it sounds like a, a real streamer, right? Um, all right. So why don't we take our second break? And when we come back, we'll talk about uh, some of the hitters that are moving down the hitter list. We'll talk about them right after this. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks Fantasy Baseball Podcast, Joe Galina and Scott Chu. And uh, let's talk about uh, a guy that uh, in in so many leagues was just the number one overall pick. And uh, we're talking about Trey Turner, uh, Phillies uh, shortstop, went down 10 spots to number 14. And I mean, I'm, I know you're not talking about uh, dropping him, <laughs> of course, um, and not even probably talking about um, sitting him. But uh, but you bring up some some good points because you said that you you put some uh, some blips in the hitter list on certain players, and you point out the, about his increase in strikeouts and his chase rate is up. And I mean, you basically could point out a ton of things that he's doing differently this season hasn't been stealing bases, which isn't a, a big surprise in a way. Cause he is getting older. I think he's about 30 years old. Um, but also with this new phase of, of baseball where stolen bases are more prevalent, it's odd that he's not stealing that many, but uh, so you look at his first 50 games, five home runs, 14 RBI, six stolen bases and a uncharacteristically low 244 batting average on the season uh batting 192 over the past two weeks uh hasn't been hitting the ball as hard or pulling the ball like he used to in the past and uh lefty pitchers own him this season 188 batting average 606 ops in his first 77 plate appearances against lefties 
Yeah, so Trey Turner, a couple articles are out there if you want to read them. I know Eno Saris has written something up on on Trey Turner. Uh, a couple other folks have as well. I, I actually, after I wrote the article, it was actually over the weekend where I decided to dive even deeper on Trey Turner. Uh, I, I did it on on Saturday. The thing about him that really stands out to me is his ability to make contact. So if you're a PL Pro member, if, if you're not, you should be. Uh, but if you're a PL Pro member, you have access to our PLV stats. And, and part of that is a set of rolling charts about uh, using our PLV stats for hitters. One of those stats is called contactability. And that is how often, how much more or less do you make contact than our model would predict a major league hitter to make contact? Right. So, uh, for example, if it's a ball that's, uh, you know, top of the zone, right on the corner, we might and it's a slider or something. We might say, okay, that had a really low contact percentage. And this player made contact against that pitch. So he'll get credit for the contact he makes against tough pitches. Right. And you get neutral credit for the stuff that you absolutely should have hit if you swung at it. Mm -hmm. Right. So a good contact ability means you can hit stuff that other people can't hit and you do so more often. So Trey Turner in 2021 spent most of the season around the 75th percentile, right? So better than three out of four hitters uh, in, in contactability at times touched 90th percentile 2022. uh, We see him get be a little bit worse than that because we saw some uncharacteristic dips, particularly in the middle of the season of his contactability, just kind of this big drop off felt like a flash in the pan. This also kind of lines up with his zone contact rate. If you're not a PL plus member. You can't see the contact stuff or PL pro, but you can go look. Anyone can go look up zone contact rate. And you'll actually see Trey Turner's zone contact rate start taking some dips last season. Uh, again, uncharacteristically, he's a guy who usually would just make contact with stuff in the zone. And now all, you know, and then for a little while in 2022 and at times he didn't. So that was a little unnerving. The problem is, is now right now in 2023 his contact ability well below average right we probably have him around 30th percentile in mm-hmm. contact ability and it's not getting better right he's actually been on a downward trend over his last 200 swings or so to where it's now like just kind of at and below the 25th percentile in baseball he is not able to make contact as well as other hitters. And this has never been a guy who had extreme plate discipline. This was a guy who had good bat speed, good hand-eye coordination, so he could make contact with things. That approach will not work with this kind of contact ability, right? That you can't, he has to, it almost looks like he's going to have to change who he is as a hitter. Dropping 10 spots and out of the first tier is a big deal. I do mm-hmm. not move guys in those top tiers very often, particularly into other tiers, Right. So it, it was a big deal to drop him 10 spaces. He may drop more if, if I just can't see if, if this contact ability doesn't start getting better because his whole game is, is about getting on base. He's not a big home run guy. He needs to steal bases, pile up runs scored, drive in other runners. And he can only do that by making contact, which he's just not doing very well right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, OK, so we'll keep an eye on on uh, Trey Turner. Um Curious, and it wasn't a big drop, but curious to what caused you to drop him. And I'm, I'm talking about uh, Bobby Witt Jr. from the Royals. He uh, went down six spots to number uh, 36. And, you know, at, at one point I was looking that he was slumping. And recently I saw that the Royals dropped him 
to sixth in the lineup, but it was only a temporary thing. I think it was just one game, but you know, when I saw it, it just really opened my eyes. And in a way, you know, uh, you wonder why he's been at the top of their lineup so frequently as an OBP rate in the 270 range, uh, you know, still not walking a lot or enough, just under 5% walk rate this season as well as last season. Uh, batting average isn't that great, 236 batting average in his first 52 games, uh, but still on pace for a 25 home run, 40-plus steal uh, season and having some uh, some issues this season hitting right-handed pitching. Uh, 222 batting average against righties, left-handed pitching. Uh, he's handling pretty well at a 311 clip. Uh, tell me what caused you to to drop him a little bit, and what you think about his long-term uh, outlook, Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah, it's worth noting he didn't have his four-hit, two-home run, five-RBI game, uh, and a stolen base. <laughs> the, Until after, so the, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Until after the, like the came next out. game, basically, right? So, <laughs> list comes out on uh, the twenty-fourth, the twenty-sixth. He goes four for five with a double, two home runs, three runs scored, five RBI, and a stolen base. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty, pretty dramatic change to like what his. I mean, up until then, his power. Maybe he read your first. article and said, "Hey, you know, he's trying to get back at you or something." Uh, yeah, Maybe I mean, he just thinks I'm an idiot, which he might yeah. be right. But, uh, you know, he could have done it another way because I'm also against him in a fantasy league this week. So it's really just uh, salt in the wound there. Oh, but, I hate that. Uh, you know, with with Bobby Wood Jr., really. Uh, so getting dropped in the lineup, not, you know, not my favorite, although it has been nice to see him steal two bases uh, since being demoted. I was a little worried that the speed might slow down a little bit. Uh, not batting leadoff, but they've let him steal batting fourth because the Royals lineup isn't that deep to begin with. So I guess it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Really, it's just, you know, Bobby Wood Jr., the, the power and speed is there, but everything else is kind of not right now, right? Uh, the the counting stats were always going to be an issue uh, simply because he plays for a, a really, really bad offense, right? He is a player who, you know, he should get to 90 runs or so and like 75 to 80 RBI, but that's a little light compared to, you know, what I think other players in this range can do. Uh, so, you know, he does fall. He stays mostly within, you know, I, I think he might have dropped into a different tier, but it's not as though I don't like him, right? He's in the same tier as Adley Rutschman, Corbin, Carroll, personal Scott. Yeah, right. Uh, he's still, he's still very good. Um, uh-huh. it, it's just, he's, you know, I think, we had looked at him. I mean, he was drafted in NFBC leagues as like a top 15, 20 player. Yes. And when it's just power and speed, I think it's difficult to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you alluded to him earlier. Let's talk about him now. Uh, catcher for the blue Jays. Who's barely hanging on, uh, on the hitter list at number one forty eight. You dropped him 25 uh, spots. Uh, currently has a career low slug of 325. Home runs have disappeared. Batting average is down as well. Uh, in his first 41 games, 244 batting average. Uh, didn't appear that he was going to be a 30 home run guy anyway. But just you know, to see him with two home runs in his first 41 games, you know, it's you know a little little odd. But tell me about Kirk and and what he could do to hang on on your list. Kirk, you're still alive, my old friend. You know, what's tough with Kirk is that, uh, you know, 
I know in this podcast I talked about, I was not super high on him compared to others coming into the season. Big reason for that is last season, second half, he only had three home runs. He was an example I used in a lot of my rolling chart discussions because with Alejandro Kirk, basically what you saw was this huge spike uh, in, you know, a little after the start of the year for Alejandro Kirk, you saw this big spike in like May where he was just setting the world on fire. May and June, he hit seven home runs in June of last season. Uh, He hit seven home runs for the rest of the season combined. Right. So Mm. that's, that was always the thing with Alejandro Kirk. I just didn't buy the power and I thought he could hit for, you know, obviously I thought he could hit for average, but I was like, Oh, there's no power here, but now he's not doing either one. Right. Mm -hmm. He's his, his OBP of three fifty two makes that slug of three twenty five look like a typo, right? Like he's, uh, it's, it's the plate discipline is fine. So if there's something to be said for it, he does have decent plate discipline, but he's no longer an every, everyday player. He still plays a lot for a catcher. I think we'll get to like 110, 120 games, but last season was 140. We were hoping he'd play that. You know, we'd hope we were hoping he'd play that many again. Don't mm-hmm. think he will. Uh, he's a guy who doesn't, I mean, the hard hit rate has fallen off completely, right? The exit velocity has fallen a whole lot. Uh, the, you know, he's hitting a lot of stuff into the ground. It's just everything's really fallen apart. And at catcher, you know, again, I'll be patient with a guy like Dalton Varsho because Dalton Varsho has the ability to be a top one to three overall catcher. Alejandro Kirk never was never going to be that good, right? Alejandro Kirk was a guy who, you know, maybe in a good year can be like, you know, he could be a top six, seven catcher, maybe try to sneak his way into the top five, though the class of catcher is getting deeper. So it's harder to do, but at this point, I think there's no choice, at least in single catcher leagues, you got to let him go, right? He can just, (laughs) you can let him go. You can let him go for Elias Diaz. You can let him go for just, just to stream it right now. Like don't let him go for absolute, like for no catcher. Mm -hmm. Right. But uh, if if there's a guy, he, you know, a, a name that I would drop him for right now is Francisco Alvarez of the Mets. Yeah, uh, he's, he's he was fire. a big time, yeah. big time prospect heating up, uh, mm-hmm. you know, starting to play more and more. Some Getting folks in the league might not have noticed. That's absolutely a move I'd make right now. Like mm-hmm. the next hitter list will not include Alejandro Kirk. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing that's going to save him in terms of playing time is uh, Danny Jansen went on the I.L a few days ago. So, uh, but uh, good points on your part. Uh, Andres Jimenez, uh, you, you know, droppable second baseman for the guardians went down 18 slots uh, down to number 81. I mean, we thought he was going to be on his way to becoming a, a perennial 2020 guy. Stalin bases are on target for that, but the uh, batting average uh, has taken a big hit 228 batting average uh power's gone 1.4% barrel rate this season it was 6.2 last season hard hit rate is almost half of what it was last season it was uh, 37.6 last season just 19.3 this season um yeah talk to me about in what leagues you would consider just outright dropping Andres Jimenez I'm getting real close on leagues without a middle infield spot. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's been a horrible, horrible month of May for Andres Jimenez. He's hitting 194, slugging 264. Uh, he's not striking out, but he's not walking. And on the month, he has one home run and one stolen base in 77 mm-hmm. plate appearances. That mm-hmm. that doesn't play anywhere, right? Right. 
So, you know, he's, he's fallen in the lineup. He's mostly batting sixth and seventh. Now, uh, last season, he ranked as high as 40th, uh, on the hitter list because he was just slapping the ball everywhere, getting, you know, some opportunistic home runs, stealing bases, but you know, he's, he's just not doing that. Uh, the hard hit rate is hilariously low, right? Like I I can't think of a time I've seen a 19.3% hard hit rate. Like that's wild to me. Uh, I've never seen that in a major league hitter, not one that's playing every day. Anyway, that's a good way to lose a job. I don't think the guardians are going to go quite that far, but, uh, you gotta, I mean, in a 10 or 12 team league, no middle infield. I think it's, I think it's time. There have been good middle infielders that are coming up. Uh, there are, I mean, the, the guardians don't have shortstops to come and take his place right now. Um, I'm not sure they're ready to bring up like Brian Roccio or, or anything like that, but you know, we're, we're getting there. We're getting to the point where they need to start looking at a replacement, uh, because he's just, he's been that bad. So we'll see how that goes. But like, I don't want a guy who's batting behind Gabriel Arias and in front of Mike Zanino and Miles Straw. There's no stats there. Even if he starts right. hitting better, there's no stats there. Yeah, so, good point. yeah, mm-hmm. no middle infield. You can probably start letting him go. He's higher on the hitter list because I recognize the upside. Uh, and if you don't, you know, if you're in a shallower league and you don't have a reason to drop him yet, you know, you don't have to. But he's, it's not going to, it's, if we talk about drop like risers and fallers again next week, we'll be talking about Andres Jimenez again. Mm. Uh, two outfielders that uh, have taken a tumble and want to I mean, pretty much know that at least one of these guys you think is probably a, an outright drop, but I'll let you decide. Uh, Chris Bryant went down 11 slots, uh, number 67 on your list. Um, just having a real rough time, uh, you know, in course. Uh, last season uh, was hurt for a bunch of it. Um, has two home runs over the past month, batting 222 home runs, nine RBI over the past month. Um, and James Altman, outfielder for the Dodgers, 0 for 17, uh, you know, in his last 17 at bats, of course, uh, batting below the Mendoza line, uh, uh, for the past month. Um, and, and also another just two home runs over the past month, uh, K rate has been as low as 24% and as high as 40% this season. It seems like the strikeouts are really killing him. But uh, are these guys, um, you know, droppable in uh, three outfield leagues at this stage? Chris Bryan and James Outman? Well, Jason, James Outman, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that's just something you have to do at this point. The, the contact ability just isn't there. And it was a great run. But these free swingers, this is what happens. Uh, these are what the Colts, but I, I talk about players that run hot and cold. A mm. lot of them are these free are, are these free swinging power hitters. Sure. They take walks too, but they're very aggressive at stuff in the zone and they don't always make contact. Uh, so they can look real ugly. And again, I've mentioned these names before, but Brent Rooker, Jack Sawinski, James Outman, these types of players look really, really ugly when they get cold. Uh, mm-hmm. Jorge Soler, another guy, very similar, right? Like these power hitters can look awful when, when cold, it's a very, I mean, the, the quintessential is example that I used to use. I called him the heartbeat hitter. It was Fran Mil Reyes. Fran Mil Reyes, a guy who had 40 home run power, but when he was bad, 
was among the worst hitters in baseball. Uh, and he eventually flamed out. Now they're not all going to flame out like Fran Mill Reyes did, but Fran Mill Reyes had 35 home run seasons and then was quickly, you know, fairly quickly out of the league. Mm. Ran out of work because he just couldn't make contact. So James Outman needs to make this adjustment. I think that he will. He's not a drop for me in keeper in Dynasty, uh, unless it's like a shallow keeper, because uh, those play a little more like redraft, you know, when you're only keeping three or four players. James Outman isn't going to be on that list for you. But you know, so he's the easier one. Chris Bryant, the plate, the plate discipline is fine. Uh, it, it's the contact ability, which stinks because over his last 54 plate, actually his last 50 plate appearances, uh, it's, it's not good, right? He's batting well below 200, uh, mm-hmm. in those games. It's uh 174 with a 240 OBP and a 196 slug. Let me tell you why that 196 slug is extra ugly because in those games, right? It's 12 games. Nine of them were in cores. Nine. Yeah. Nine games in cores. And the guy can't muster any, like no, no home runs and one double. But come on, man. Like if you can't, if you can't get it done in those games, right? You can't get it done in your nine of 12 game homestand. When are you going to get it done? When is that going to happen? So uh, if you're dropping him in some of these shallower leagues, a three outfield, 10 and 12 team leagues. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. He's higher up on my hitter list because I'm a little conservative. He is the type of player who could have two weeks to make us forget about this, but uh, he dropped 11 spots this last time expect even more he's about to start getting you know basically the way it works on these lists is you fall pretty slowly through the top couple of tiers you know until you get once you start getting you know it's hard to fall while you're in the top 50 you fall you usually your falls are a little softer but once you get from there the drops just become bigger and bigger and bigger because the gap between each player is less right so you know it's it's you know once you're in you know tier 10 there's a bunch of players in that tier, right? It's like 15 guys. And going from the top to the bottom of that tier is pretty easy to do. Uh, I I move guys around like that all the time. So, you know, as you go down the list, you see more players who drop further and further. Uh, Andrew Vaughn is a guy who in tier 11 dropped 25 spots. Yeah, I saw right? that. Yeah. Uh, Which you is know, upsetting Jorge to Pol- me because I, I roster him in tout. But- yeah. But you know, he, Taylor Ward, a guy, he deserves it. <laughs> yeah, Taylor Ward, a guy I really liked. I mean, he dropped thirty-three spots. Mm-hmm. He went down to one nineteen. This is the part of the list where that starts happening, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we we didn't talk about. We don't need to talk about the guy who dropped the furthest uh, this last time. Jorge Mateo just yeah. totally fell off. I mean, again, another slots. guy who, yeah. when he's hot, when Jorge Mateo is hot, he looks great, but he has huge contact issues and players with contact issues go into really bad slumps. Jorge Mateo's is almost legendarily bad, but uh, they, they get into really bad slumps. And then you just, I mean, you can't, you can't roster him. Right? And just in can't. an environment so, where uh, stolen bases are more, uh, you could find them a little bit more on the, on the waiver wire uh, that even drops Mateo's fantasy value even lower. Right. Yeah. I mean, his strength is, is stolen bases. You don't need to hold out. It's mm-hmm. it's just not it's not that important, right? So uh you can start falling. Now, very few guys have gone from like the top fifty uh to off the list when healthy. It does happen. Uh, but you know, it's it's the kind of thing where you just you you recognize some of these tropes. You recognize these guys who are free swingers and you know that they can start dropping really, really hard. 
Mm. And just uh, on uh, Chris Bryant that you mentioned uh, about his problems hitting course for the season, he actually has a higher batting average, uh, which is 281 when he plays on the road as compared to uh, when he plays at home. He has a home batting average of 256, which is uh, not usually the case. Usually it's the other way around where uh, Rockies players will have a lot higher batting average when they play at home as opposed to when they play on the road. But so that's. Uh, but uh, so the uh, next hitter list, Scott, uh, drops. It drops on Wednesdays, right? And, and yep. uh, nobody, uh, n- not many fantasy baseball analysts can break down hitting the way Scott Chu does. So it really, you really should uh, check out this article uh, every Wednesday. Um, and uh, any ideas in terms? I know it's, it's only Sunday, but uh, have you already started to, to notice anything with any of the uh, uh, hitters for the upcoming, upcoming list? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I already have some ideas of guys who are gonna are are gonna drop and, and move mm-hmm. up. So, you know, I expect Brent Rooker to continue to drop. He's gonna be outside the top one hundred. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a guy who I've been too slow to move up is Josh Lowe. Uh, he, he's gonna, you know, I think he's gonna move up a bit. You know, my one of my favorite players, Isak Paredes, is a guy who I think I can move up a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonah Heim, a guy who I can drop more. Because uh, mm-hmm. you know he's just kind of not there. Willie Adonis, who has been slumping really badly, now he's got this concussion. He's yeah, likely he's to fall a huge, huge amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and on on the other side, there are you know, I, I it's a little more fun to talk about the players who are moving up. There's more to look at, right? Uh, you can kind of get an idea of of what's going on. J.D. Martinez just had an amazing week, so he's a guy who I think uh, is probably you know he's well not probably he's certainly moving up. Uh, I've got to look more into Michael Conforto to see just how good that is. Um, got to tell myself not to add Willie Castro, uh, former Tiger, to that list. I don't think he's there. Nolan Gorman, I think, can continue to climb a bit uh, just because I keep liking what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Corey Seager had a good week. Josh Young had a good week. Uh, you know, just because you have a good week doesn't mean you move up on the list. But if you have a good week and you've had things that I thought were interesting in the past, absolutely, right? Like a good example is going to be Paul DeYoung. So Paul DeYoung is going to be on the list, but he's going to be on the very back despite how good he's been because darn it. We've seen, we've like, we've seen this song and dance Paul DeYoung. Mm -hmm. Good for a month. Good for a month. He's been good for like one month for each of the past three or four seasons, Mm -hmm. but then it goes back and yeah, you know, people can always talk about, Oh, he's doing this and this differently. Guys look different when they're hot, but I have not seen anything from Paul DeYoung yet that tells me that he is a different hitter than the guy he's been for the last three or four years. And, and you know, I'm not just talking about, oh, well, the strikeout rate's lower. Yeah, because you haven't seen the other three or four bad months yet. <laughs> when those come, the stat line's going to look pretty darn much the same as it has before. So, And if you look at the past couple of weeks, he's already back to, uh, you know, Paul DeYoung kind of stats. Yeah. <laughs> In yeah, terms of batting average is, is below 200 over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, that's just the way this goes where, mm-hmm. you know, other players, you know, this is also the time of year where I, I keep, you know, I'm still not sure what to do with Wander Franco. I, I think I'm going to move him up just a bit more, but uh, I'm not sure how many home runs he's going to hit, but I'm not sure it matters, right? Mm-hmm. Just because of the way that he's been playing. Uh, and then, of course, I'm going to have to, it's funny. So the taxi squad contains players that I think you should be stashing. So I, I'm going to start adding some more prospects, Ronnie Mauricio being one of them from the Mets. Um, a, a player who's not in the league is probably never going to be on the hitter list because it's just, you know, he's not playing yet, but 
Uh, I do. The one, the last thing I'll say about the hitter list is what you shouldn't expect is I, I, I want to talk about players who have been hot recently. Sometimes to talk you off a ledge, like please don't add Rudnag, uh, Rugnet Odor. We've talked about. Oh, him. you know, I thought about you today. <laughs> you know, he he had, a, he had a home run in today's game. He's, yeah, he's you been... know, with Machado on the IL. He's been playing third base for the Padres. So I thought about Rugnet friggin' Odor <laughs> continues to. I mean, he goes through these spurts because again, what is he? What is he? He's a guy who. Uh, you know, he doesn't struggle with contact in the sense that he misses a lot. He struggles with making good contact. It's been a long time since he was a, a good hitter. Basically, uh, he's, he has two seasons with the WRC plus above 91. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, not, he has 95 in 2018, 107 in 2015, 103 in 2016. Every other season, it's well below. Um, he, even though like Rugnet Odor, this is the this explains everything about Rugnet Odor. In 2017, Rugnet Odor hit 30 home runs and slugged 397. You know how hard that is to do, Joe? Like, can you just <laughs> uh, can we just stop it? This that's the type of player Rugnet Odor is. He's the type of player who can, is, goes into a weekend series against the Yankees, takes full advantage of that short porch, and and really, I mean, be, you know, hits a home run. He had a great. I mean, he had a home run in every game against the Nationals because they have a terrible pitching staff, but eventually he's going to have to play good teams and face better pitching and not have a short porch and left. Uh, he's a left-handed hitter. Uh, so like Rugnet Ador will not be on the list. Well, he's got a do good you, right hand, he, especially you could ask uh, Jose Batista, right? But, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm glad know, you mentioned I, them today because, uh, you know, uh, when he hit that home run, I'm like, it's, you, you came to mind. So I'm glad you mentioned him. <laughs> and I respect the fact that Rugnet Ador went to games wearing above the knee shorts. Right. <laughs> I, I respect that, mm-hmm. but uh, he's not a guy for fantasy. Like he just doesn't matter in fantasy. Like uh, he's, he's now got four home runs and like realistically, that's all he's going to hit. Right. <laughs> right, right like right, most right. Uh, to get back to a thing I said earlier, most of the juice is squeezed. Mm-hmm, it, you mm-hmm. can't put it back in. So uh, I, but I will mention guys like him in my taxi squad again, not because I think you should have them. You should probably read the comment that goes with the taxi squad, but sometimes just to tell people like, please don't care about this players like that. Were like Casey Schmidt, Dominic Fletcher ah, flashed in the pan. Don't and fall for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the hardest thing right now. And, and projections can help you a lot. Uh, hitting profile can help you a lot. There's nothing wrong with adding a guy who isn't a good hitter. I, I think the next flash in the pan, even though I think long-term he'll be good, Matt McClain, you're just so many luck red flags in that profile uh, that it's he, he hard. He's doing well right now, but you're he right. is doing well, yeah, but like yeah. not because he's hitting the ball super well, <laughs> it just keeps mm-hmm. finding grass. Mm-hmm. So you know, I mean, maybe he gets better before the luck runs out uh, and starts earning that kind of stuff, but it's not there right now. So, uh, you know, he's not the type of player that I'm dropping some of my higher guys up for. But mm-hmm. yeah, so you know, I talk about that. And a lot of times a taxi squad is just a way for me to talk about players who you should be thinking about, even if I don't think they're ready to move into the list. Hmm. Yeah, important that when you add guys like uh, Matt McLean and, God forbid, if you do add an Odor, don't get attached to them. Uh, drop them once you see that first sign that they're coming back to their uh, their normal, you know, level of play. So, and and another important thing that you mentioned, uh, and it's so so important, is when you're adding somebody like that, just make sure you're not dropping 
a, a true valuable fantasy player for, you know, someone who's just having a hot week. Yeah. I mean, like if you're, if your utility spot has been Chris Bryant and you see Rugnet Odor on the wire, I can't believe I have to say this, but like, don't, that that's not like, can oh, you agree. drop Did Chris not. Bryant? Yes. Mm-hmm. You cannot mm-hmm. drop him for Rugnet Odor. No, no, that's no. the thing, right? Mm-hmm. You can drop him for plenty of other players, right? Uh, if you want to drop him for Jose Siri in a shallow league, sure, that's fine. Jose Siri has he can do things for more than a week or two at a time that will help mm-hmm. your fantasy team. Rugnet Odor can a couple of bases for you too. Yeah, yeah. That'll like if you... like can you can you drop Jake Cronenworth? Yeah, sure, but like not for Rugnet Odor because that's not an improvement to your team. It would have been an improvement for the last couple of days, but it is not an improvement for your team for the next, uh, you know, one to two weeks. What are you mentioning? Everyone that's hitting home runs against the Yankees in this week? It's Cronenworth yeah. hit a home run uh, against them today as well. Well, the is Yankees that... gave up like a bunch of, <laughs> they gave up yeah. like eight runs. Cole, Gary Cole has given up home runs again. You know, he, he uh, you know, was doing real well when it came to that. But he's given up uh, like five home runs his last uh, few starts. So that's a problem. Right. If I talk <laughs> about a Padre, I'm probably going to talk about a Padre who had a home run against the Yankees. So, <laughs> yes, that's true. All right. So good stuff. We'll be looking now for the next hitter list. Uh, thanks for hanging out, Scott. Uh, follow my friend Scott at If the Chew Fits. You could follow me, Joe Galina, at Joe Galina. And as always, What we like to say, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities, and we'll see you next time.